0: Let's begin by all joining together and praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. So actually here today, I know a lot of you are visitors and guests, and maybe this is the first time you're in this building. Maybe this is the first time you're meeting me. But I can tell you, people that know me, know I like to talk about our time in East Asia. The couple years that we got to serve and live in that foreign country in very different setting, I'm going to talk about it. And if we get into a conversation about our time in East Asia and you ask a thoughtful question, you better get ready because it's going to be a few hours. I think here's why I really love sharing those experiences because that experience in those years changed me and who I am and how I look at life a lot. There's uh, before East Asia time of my life and now there's this after East Asia time. Immersion in a foreign country and a different culture and a different language, it forces you to experience life like you've never experienced life before and you're still looking at me and interested. So anytime you want to hear the specifics of any of those things, I promise you, I'm going to buy you a mango smoothie. There's a place here in town. They make it exactly like the mango smoothies that we had when we were over there. I promise I'll buy you one. Let's go. Let's kill an afternoon. Just get ready to listen because I'm I'm going to be talking a lot. But I love talking about that because I love that life experience that I got to live, and that shaped me. The things we experience, the things that we go through in life, absolutely shape us, don't they? They give us perspective. They help us look at things through a specific lens. Our life experiences are a part of who we are. I think that's why this part of 1 Corinthians, the letter that Paul sent into this church, really connects with us. If you're somebody who's gotten the chance to learn the Old Testament and a lot of the Bible stories and the history of God's people, you probably know about Moses and the story of God taking Moses and using him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And you know some of the experiences then, what Paul was writing about. The Egyptian army, the entire army chasing after this group of people who are just escaping as slaves, God comes down. And he builds this pillar of cloud and smoke to protect them from the army. And the army can't get to them. With their backs against this huge sea and this lake behind them, God comes and God splits the sea into two piles of water. And he holds the water up on both sides. This group of people then, they get to walk across in between the two piles of water on dry land that should have been muck. And, mud, and they walk through and they get to see the walls of water holding up on both sides. When they woke up later in the middle of a desert, they would wake up with food on the ground. This bread-like food substance kind of thing that would feed them for decades in the wilderness. They would have times where God would send them little birds, but so many little birds that they would just cover feet of the ground in their camp so much that they would get sick of eating it. These were people that got to watch and experience as God would take a rock and water would flow from the rock so that they would have water to drink and that they wouldn't starve in the desert. These people had some awesome, awesome experiences. I think that's why it's shocking for the Apostle Paul to talk about this group of people like he did to start for I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that, all, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. I mean, what happened? From those experiences to that? What's going on? So Paul gives a couple more details of their past. Even though they had those awesome experiences, he starts to talk about other things they did. He says, don't be idolaters as some of those same people were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Those same people, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Those same people, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Those same people, And we should not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Those same people had experienced all of those miraculous things God had been doing to keep them alive and all of those same people out of that group, a lot of them fell and sinned and turned away from God. I think for us who live today, looking back in history on these people and the mistakes that they made, I think we've got two big reactions that we have. Here's the first reaction that I think you and I get. Man, if I could only see and live through and experience what those people got to live through, I would never doubt God ever again. Not once. I couldn't experience the cloud and... Fire and the walls of water and the food and the rock. And no, I couldn't be someone that lives through that and ever doubt God. No, that would change me. That experience would shape me. I'd listen more carefully. I would obey a little bit more closely. Oh, I would have done a whole lot better than those people did. Or the second reaction I think that we have oh God. I need that kind of experience right now, too. God, I need you to prove yourself to me. God, I need to see these kind of things physically in my life. I need the miracle. I need this undeniable proof. God, if you did it for these people who lived so long ago, who were messed up in so many ways, God, you got to do it for me right now, too, God, if I'm ever going to believe and trust in you and what you say, I need that kind of experience. I kind of think both reactions are understandable. But really, both are distractions from the here and the now and the life you're living right now. So what we're going to be careful to do is not to get stuck finding the flaws of the believers who lived before us. We're not going to dream about having what they had in those experiences. No, come back to the here and now, in this moment in your life. Why did the group of Christians who lived in the city of Corinth need to hear about what happened long before them? Here's the whole reason God gives us this. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did a little bit later. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. God teaches us about the people of the past so we can be be more aware about the lives we're living now. And I think it's so easy for us to overlook what we're living through. It's the everyday battles that you're fighting right now. It's the doubt that keeps coming back. It's the reality that God doesn't look like God when he's not doing what you want him to do for your life. It's the thought that if God doesn't help you like he helped them, then maybe you can do it on your own. That you're going to be strong enough. That you can do better. That you can hold all of it up and that you are not going to break. I think we have to admit that we're united in a struggle with overconfidence in ourselves and our own abilities. But I think there's another thing that unites us when we're talking about overconfidence and people who are overconfident in themselves. It's kind of bad, but I think we can admit that we love to watch those people fall down. The team that is just so full of itself that is sure they're going to crush the little team on the other side, and then they mess up, and they fumble, and they fail, and they lose, and what do we do? We smile, and we love it. We love to watch the little ant-sized superhero take down the new big bad in the series. For as much as we might personally struggle with ourselves, with thinking too much of ourselves, I think we like to enjoy watching other people fall when they're overconfident. But then reality hits for us, and we know how this ends if we're on our own. We know why God warns us from these people in the past and those experiences. We fall. We fail. We don't live perfectly like God wants us to. We need help desperately. It's to people like us the ones who have experienced, who have not God's, to people who have experienced God's miracles, like those people in the past to people like us today who maybe don't experience those things, God gives us this encouragement, this solid ground in his word. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now maybe the most misquoted and twisted verse from the Bible that gets twisted into this self-help kind of thing that well you can do it. If God is giving you this in your life you're going to be fine it'll be okay. You can struggle you can fight through. You can hold all of it up. Uh uh. That's not what God is saying here. No, You know that God gives you way more than you can ever handle on your own. This brothers and sisters, this is God's promise, that when he gives you those things, he's going to hold you up. That's what this word endure really means. It's this picture of being able to hold up and have it above you. It's about God doing that for you. It's about God holding you up through all of this so that when you're crushed, he's going to be there. So that when you're struggling, he's going to remind you of His promises to you so that when you doubt and you question and you aren't sure that he's going to point you back to his certain and solid truth in his word that he loves you in Jesus that you are forgiven and perfect and holy in his sight right now because of what Jesus has done for you that you don't have to pick yourself up and try harder and be better next time because in Jesus the work is already done That's the foundation that God gives you to stand on. That's the foundation that he builds underneath you to hold you up through all of this. That's why when the struggles and the challenges come that are too much, you lean on him and his truth. So that when you fall because of his grace for you, he'll hold you up. One of my favorite experiences from East Asia, Uh, it makes me sound a little bit like a history nerd, which I don't think I am, but it's something that I can't forget. It was in this uh, big museum and there were these bells. I think there were probably about 20 of these bells and these bells were 3000 years old. We don't have stuff like that in our country so much, but over there they did. And I think it was they were digging a foundation for a new building and suddenly they struck iron and they hit the bell and then they found more and more and more and these just ornately carved huge things. Some of them this big, they hung all these bells together and it was just something that I couldn't get over, that these bells were just preserved perfect. Thousands of years, back to King David time, thousands of years later and they looked awesome there's just something unique and amazing about something that's existed in our world that has stood the test of time for thousands of years, something that hasn't changed. That's why you can appreciate the unity that we have with believers who lived thousands of years before us. Because when we look back at them, at our past, we don't see perfect people with perfect lives We hear about people who fell, and who fell hard, and we get to appreciate what held them up through all of that. We think back to Adam and Eve, the first people, however many generations back, who literally messed everything up, and after that maybe biggest mistake of all time, right after that, God promises a savior. God promises a solution. We think back to King David, and... And King David's mistakes where he sleeps with a married woman, where he has somebody killed, where he lies about it, and he covers it up, and then when confronted, he confesses his sin, and two words later, God forgives him. We think about Peter, who betrayed Jesus to his face right before he went to the cross. We think about Paul, who hated Christians and who traveled to faraway cities to kill Christians, we think about all of the believers who have gone before us and all the past issues and everything that they had and what did God do for them? He died for them. He forgave them. He held them up through all of it. The Bible is filled with people who were absolutely crushed and whom God picked up and whom God helped up. And that's, that's where we're at today. Because when God does that for you, and you experience that, it changes you. It makes you just like them. Part of the group of believers of all time. It connects you to the believers who did those exact same things before you, and it unites you to them. And being united to people who are held up by God's grace, by his perfect and undeserved love, yeah, we can appreciate being a part of that. Amen.